Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Well, Heidi, we have got Tina Barrett on today, and she is a good friend of ours. We're calling the show Walking the Road to Hope, and that's because Tina does this with families, with kids, with all sorts of people, and has for years. So Heidi, why don't you give an introduction to Tina for us? And hi, Tina. Hi, Tina. She's also known as Dr. Tina Barrett. Uh, We've known each other for many, many years, and I had the honor of going out to Montana and keynoting at an event she had and seeing her operation out there, which is absolutely phenomenal. She is the founder and executive director for the Tamarack Grief Resource Center, which is an incredible grief center. And it has wraparound services. It has a camp, which she's gonna talk about. Um, Tina is on the board of the National Alliance for Grieving Children. She is a senior consultant for TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And she won the ADAC Community Educator Award in 2019. I'm super excited today to have Tina here and to find out how do you help kids heal after loss and what she does. Right. Well, Tina, I I wanted to ask you first, um, we kind of wanted to focus a little bit on camps because I know summer's over and uh, some kids went to camp and parents are wondering would camps help my kid who has a grieving issue with maybe a sibling died or one of the parents died or whatever? Um, Tell us a little bit about camps. Why camp? Well, Gloria and Heidi, as you know, I have a big bias towards grief camps. I started a camp to remember in 1997. So we just completed our 23rd summer of a camp to remember with 50 some children on the shores of Flathead Lake. And over the years, over the decades, I've gotten the opportunity to journey with kiddos, with families and groups or workshops or individual counseling, school-based support. I believe in it all. I believe all those different sources of support can be touchstones of hope and healing. But something about this camp setting, that immersion amidst all these peers that get it, is so incredibly healing. So I look forward to talking more and more. I've spent some time researching it and just interviewed hundreds of kiddos and families about what is it that makes camp so valuable. And I think we have some good ideas of what it is that makes it so key. So we do do the kids camps in the summer time. We do mini camps throughout the year and then family camp and women's camp and men's camps happen at different times of the year as well. Wow, you're doing a lot there. Um, So people can come from all of the United States? Most of our families come from Montana. People do travel from other places, but I do like to link people to sources of support in their communities. There are grief camps all over the United States, and it can be helpful to attend a program that's in your region so that you can tap into continued sources of support, comprehensive support throughout the year to other groups and um, camp reunions and ways to gather and maintain the strength with that peer-based support network that forms in the camp setting. So we do have people travel for camp, and I also strongly encourage people to seek out camps in your region. How did you find out in your study as far as why did camp help people? First of all, I love that you asked because I feel like anytime we're researching grief and interviewing kids and families that we owe it to that kiddo, to that parent that was 
interviewed to share those words as far and wide as we can. So five themes in particular. One, connections. We get to be around understanding others. Even if we don't say a thing, we can look around a circle and know everyone else there gets it. In their own way, they've experienced the death of a family member, of a loved one, of a sibling, of a parent, of a child, and they've in a, they're in the process of integrating loss into their lives as they move through this journey. Also, this opportunity to have fun, enjoyable experiences. So often, I think we focus on grief as a time of mourning, which it is, and it's also an opportunity to re-engage in life. And camp provides this not pathological, grief is a natural part of life. And to give ourselves permission to have fun again for kids to learn to kayak and do talent shows and make s'mores around a campfire and be kids, mm -hmm. first and foremost around understanding others. And to know that to laugh and have fun doesn't mean you didn't deeply care, that you're not deeply impacted by the loss in your life. There's something about immersion in nature that was really significant. Mm -hmm. That opportunity to just feel calm, to feel centered, that increased feeling of tranquility that came from being outside, which through the years as we've researched more, it can be that if we're not able to be outside, we can also increase interaction with natural materials. Like how do we work with, with cottons and sticks and rocks and leaves at, in, as part of the healing process in our creative arts. And then freedom to be that we really make sure to give each person permission to grieve in their way. If it's not hurting you or someone else, it's probably okay. And some kids want to talk and some don't. Yeah. It is indeed freedom to be, freedom to be <laughs> you in your way right now and freedom to grieve how you do in your way right now. And that might be different tomorrow or next year, but right now, what does it mean to be you? Opportunities to honor and remember is a big one of just, I think so many people say, Ooh, I'm not sure I want to bring this up because it might be hard on the person, but to provide opportunities to honor and remember through narrative, through sharing stories or symbolically through ritual or creatively through making memory flags or creating a table of honor and remembrance is, is really valuable for the kids. Opportunities without pressure. Why are camps really healing and important for people out there that are wondering? Connections, fun, nature, freedom to be in grieve, honor and remembering. I love all of those things. They are so powerful. Getting together with peer-to-peer -peer support. We know that the research shows peer-to-peer -peer support is one of the top things that help people to heal, if not the number one. And that is what the that is what you are giving these kids. Getting together with other kids who have had a loss makes you feel normal. So yeah, that we don't have to grieve in isolation. That's so often in our country, it can feel like people are uncomfortable addressing grief or talking about it or moving toward and through it together. And these camps provide opportunities that we don't have to grieve alone. We can't take the pain away, but we can add comfort and strength to one another. How do you get a husband there? How do you get kids there? How do you get somebody that you think could benefit from the camp to camp? I mean, hasn't, haven't you seen that as a problem, Heidi? Or to any support? I think it's often, and I mean, Tina can probably talk to this more than I can, but I think teenagers getting them to do something like that is super hard if they've never done it. It seems like once they have, I have a teenager, once they have friends at camp, it's fine. But how, like my mom said, how do you get them there the first time? Yeah, I agree that the teenage 
population can be the trickiest one to introduce to camps for the first time. So one thing that we have done is introduce teen wildland programs and try to add an element of adventure. So whether it's a backpacking trip or snowshoeing tri trip or winter camping. So our teen overnight camp is held in January and it just adds an element of adventure to go stay in a mountain cabin in January when it's snowing outside and go sledding on cafeteria trays, but also having that opportunity for candlelight ceremonies in the snow. And it can be more appealing for the teenagers. Similarly, hiking the mountains in the snow in the winter. I'm coming from Montana, so lots of snow reference in the winter seasons, but um, these opportunities to do something a little bit different and with an understanding peer group. Though I'm gonna admit, I, as a parent myself, I'm willing to tell parents, bribe your kiddo to get them here, whatever it takes to get them here. And then if we do our job, they'll want to come back. And that's what we're finding. And a joke that I shared, there's a one of our young adults that's now a volunteer. When she came to camp for the first time 10 years ago, she was bribed by her dear father who called me and said, Tina, how do I get my sweet daughter to camp? And I said, you know, just if you need to bribe her, because then if we do our job, she'll want to come back. And indeed she does. At the end of camp, I asked, so what is the bribe for uh, your dear daughter to come to camp this year? And he said, uh, it was an American Girl doll. So yeah. I hope you did your job. <laughs> and it was the, the bar was pretty high. But at the same time, what can we do to make it compelling for them to come? And yeah. I think also it works for parents to say, you know what, kiddo, I love and care about you so much. And I want to wrap you in support. And let's give this a try because I fear that I'm not enough. I fear that you deserve a larger blanket of support wrapped around you during this really tricky time that we so wish none of us had to go through. We also offer grief bashes or pool parties at, mm. in the community that are meant to be non-intimidating. We'll do exhibits all over where people can just casually walk by and get information at health fairs, at, um, summer Saturday market gatherings at various gatherings to just say this is part of our community and it's one of many resources as well as set up times that shall we go in and just meet the camp staff one-on-one -on -one to get to know them a little bit. What kind of we rituals do you do that, that maybe can be done even outside of camp with the kids? I know you do a lot of different rituals and different things. So rituals are one of my favorite things, as you probably know, Heidi, and all of us grieve differently. And I have to say that I am someone that has gained a lot of strength through rituals. And so initially camps were like ritual after ritual after ritual, and some people aren't as into rituals. So I think it's important to think about who really and is gains strength and meaning from that and who gains strength more from the talking circles or other outlets. So we try to provide all kinds of outlets. So rituals can be set up either to signify that a significant event has occurred. So that might be a very stable uh, a stupa or a shrine of some sort, or a ritual can be set up to free up energy around a part of the grief that is holding maybe energy that's troubling or exhausting or negative energy of some sort, maybe to release some guilt or release some messages. And some those often involve the elements like burning ceremonies with a campfire or floating memory boats down a river. So an example of some of those that people can do would be like candle lighting ceremonies where people are given an opportunity to light a candle of honor and remembrance and maybe share a story or say a name or describe a relationship or maybe share 
a way that a person was in the world that we wish we were like ourselves, those sort of comments on living legacy or lessons for living. At the same time, we could also encourage one another to, to move through a trail space and gather objects that symbolize our grief, that symbolize our person that we've lost, that symbolize hope and create a shrine or structure together of the sticks of the rocks of the leaves and share those bits of our stories and that's something families can do together and then create something that holds space in in the autumn or during the time of year well tina those rituals are great what great ideas and you know i was thinking uh that fits into your um immersion in nature because you were talking about those sticks and things talk a little bit about nature because i know that can be a really important thing for a lot of people Gloria, I was intrigued by that as the children and families of the initial research started describing how powerful it was to be outside. And as I asked more questions and sat with the inquiry more, it seems like it's not doing anything with nature. It's simply being in a natural space that's linked with those increased feelings of calm and tranquility and centeredness. Now it can be for some people being in nature, it can feel a little less safe. So how do we also make sure to create that constant feeling of physical and emotional safety? Because if someone's not used to being out of doors, that can be a little bit of a stretch. So how do we help them feel um, very safe wherever they are? And so it may be that we're even taking quilts and, and putting them under trees mm -hmm. and lying down and just being aware of our- yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it can be really important to just be reminded of that power of gravity and of that Mother Earth holding us so tight, that one consistency of really feeling grounded and our feet under us during the hardest of times. So at the very end of the day, we take our quilts out under the stars and in silence just for a moment to just wow. let some of the thoughts and feelings settle to experience just being held by the earth, sometimes to feel a little few raindrops on our faces and sometimes just to take in the enormity of the night sky. What about gender differences? Have you seen any? So I wanna talk about gender differences a little bit and then also inclusive models of camp because we can talk about uh, males and females and we also wanna make sure we're uh, creating camp settings that are inclusive to non-binary youth and adults that they are blended into these programs and feel accepted and embraced by these healing programs. I would say we have fewer men sign up for support programs in general, including camps than females, that somehow in general in the United States, it seems like it's more common and more acceptable for females to seek support services and men have been more likely to respond if they're coming to support their children. So we have more yeah. attendance of males at family camp than we have signing up for men's camp. We have a lot of men want to sign up to help with kids camp or teen camp, but not necessarily want to come to support themselves. Can you talk about the different kinds of camps for people? So some camps that we're offering here in Montana are our youth overnight camps and our youth day camps. And I think that's significant because as a child that grew up in camp, I really thought, oh, let's do the overnight camp and stay in the cabins or sleep out under the stars and have campfires. But many times when there's been a death of an attachment figure, that can feel like too scary of a first step, either for 
a child or for a parent to have a kiddo go away overnight. So often a day camp can be a better first step to just go Monday through Friday from nine to three and try on the arts and crafts and physical outlets and times with understanding others and opportunities to honor and remember and the snacks and hikes and nature immersion that comes from day camp. And then there's more comfort going to overnight camp. Some kids can do both as well. We've also added the mini camp that's just a very short like one half day offering. And we did this partly so we could go to rural communities and help extend services for people that can't show up for grief support groups once a week for eight weeks, but we can travel to a smaller place and offer us after school activity that blends all those similar ideas, connections with understanding others and play and enjoyment and nature immersion with, it's, it's the camp in a one-time setting, just to get a little sense of it. I don't think, the, think these exist in isolation as well as being part of a year-round or comprehensive support system that then you come back and do it the next month and the next month so kids can keep tapping into continued care. Mm -hmm. Women's camp um, is a weekend program. It tends to be calmer and full of workshops, gentle movement and yoga or writing workshops or creative writing activities mm -hmm. and multi-sensory walks or reflective walks and moving through the space in different ways, homemade food, time to listen to the river or go sit by the lake. The vibe of women's camp is generally these darling beings that are so used to taking care of others that settle into a space where they're so completely taken care of, but also still taking care of this sisterhood that's gathered for the weekend together, it's lovely. Family camp is a mix of different energy because there's times that the kids and parent guardians have breakout sessions or workshops on their own and times that we're all immersed in the, in the mess hall for a meal or around the campfire or different activity sessions that children from one family and parents or guardians from another family might set off on a hike while another combination stays back for a creative activity or a drama workshop or something like that. The men's retreats have taken different forms from uh, fishing retreats, and that was guided by a men's advisory group. That says, <laughs> Give us a fishing rod and put us near the river. One of the things I like about the family camp, Tina, is what I have found when working with families is sometimes there's a competition over whose loss is worse. Mm. And I feel like with the family camp, you're going to have parents empathizing with children, everybody is going to come to a new understanding that the worst loss that can happen is the one that you're dealing with right now. You're gonna break down some of that hierarchy. That's a really nice thought, Heidi. And I think sometimes that competition even goes to deferring that someone else is having a harder time. Like so often in the family, the child doesn't wanna cause stress on a parent and the parent doesn't wanna cause stress on the child. And how do we give them permission um, to grieve in their own way and to experience stability and centeredness. So it's okay to cry because you know you're going to come back to a safe place and it's okay. Well, I know people are listening to this and, and we want them to know that they can go to Montana and there will probably be people who want to go and experience you, Tina, and, and go to Montana to your program. Heidi and I have always found that uh, once you start serving other people, it's uh, one of the roads to healing, isn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. Every time you, you give a, a service, as you know, Tina, you heal a little bit of yourself. Yeah. It is so rewarding to, to help other people. And it opens up a little more of yourself, like the self-understanding yeah. as well as the healing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
So I'm with Tamarack Grief Resource Center. We're based out of Missoula, Montana, and we have offices in Kalispell and Browning. So most of our work is around Western Montana here. Um, our, we have a website, tamarackgriefresourcecenter.org, which keeps you pretty up to date on what's coming up over the next quarter. And most quarters would have quite a handful of camps and workshops and groups and individual counseling options that happen. As part of the National Alliance for Grieving Children and the Association for Death Educators and Counselors, there's a huge network around the country of people who so actively work to provide support and education for their community. And so generally, if somebody calls Tamarack from someplace else in the country, we would look to those resources as well to say, who are some people we know from ADEC or from NAGC who might be providing support that could be helpful. Dana, thank you. You're fabulous. And I love your programs. It's always so nice to have time with you. Thank you so much, Tina. I love everything you're doing in Montana. For anybody that lives near Tina, please go and check out Tamarack Grief Resource Center. Thanks for your time. Thanks for all you do to strengthen families. And thanks everybody for watching and listening to this show. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.